0: Om asato ma sadgamaya tamaso ma amritam gamaya om lead us from the unreal to the real lead us from darkness unto light lead us from death to immortality, Om. peace, peace, peace. Of the four Yogas, Bhakti Yoga is always most popular. So one of the reasons I have kept it for the last. But why is it so popular? If in Jnana, the way of knowledge, we are that absolute reality and we do not know ourselves and all we need to know is that, that we are Brahman. If it is so direct, if it is so effortless, if it is so instantaneous, then one should ask, why are not more people enlightened? If it's so easy and direct, it should be, there should be more Brahma jnanis, jivan Muktas walking around. Well, the problem is with the fine print. If you look carefully, terms apply. (laughs) Terms and conditions apply. What are the terms and conditions? Terms and conditions are the fourfold qualification. Viveka, discernment between the eternal and non-eternal. Vairagya, dispassion for the non-eternal. Then the sixfold treasures, these are disciplines. shamaha, quietude of the mind. Vajraya of the mind means focus of the mind on Vedanta. Damaha, control over the sense organs, motor organs. Then, uh, uparati, that means withdrawal from too much engagement with the external world. If you are partying all, working all week and partying all weekend, then no time for Vedanta, no energy also. So, uparati, withdrawal from too much engagement with the world. Then, and by the way, one meaning of uparati, secondary meaning is sannyasa, becoming a monk, withdrawal from engagement with the world to that extent where one actually formally becomes a monk. So that's the secondary meaning of uparati. Then, samadhana, having withdrawn, having withdrawn, now you have time and energy uh, to dedicate. What do you do with that? Samadhana, focus. Settle down. Settle down on what? On Vedanta. then, Uh, Titiksha, a spiritual toughness, a fortitude that no matter what problems life throws at me I shall pursue the spiritual goal I shall pursue enlightenment that is Titiksha then uh, there is um, Shraddha did I miss anything? Shama, Dhamma, Uparati, Samadhana, Titiksha Shraddha, a firm faith in the teachings of the uh, teach of the guru and the and the scriptures. Firm faith in the sense that these are true, but I don't understand them yet. Let me work at it. I will understand it. So that much that much conviction should be there. Then, if you have, and then mumukshutvam, intense desire to be free. So, one, viveka, two, vairagya, and then in number three, six are packed. So a little bit of cheating there. Um, they say fourfold qualification but actually number three there are six so that makes it eight already and then number nine is, is intense desire to be free if we have these then we are qualified for Vedanta you might say in what sense qualified I can buy the book I can attend the retreat I can listen to the talks why do I need all of that yes we can but we will not get the benefits thereof what is promised there, we will not get. Remember, no need to be disheartened. These are not all or nothing. We all have it to some extent. That discernment is there to some extent at least. Otherwise, why would you be here? Nice um, Labor Day weekend, could have relaxed, gone on a trip, vacation. So we have a discernment that there is something valuable to be sought in spiritual life. We have vairagya, dispassion, because to come here requires as an opportunity cost. Something else you gave up to come here that vairagya is there. So if you look at us, anybody who is in the spiritual path has these qualifications to some extent. That's the problem. To some extent is not enough. In Vedanta, these must be of a very high order of excellence. Otherwise, what happens is, if one still pursues Vedanta, are different grades are there. One is, there'll be either no interest or there'll be interest, but in comprehension or there'll be comprehension there will be interest and comprehension and beginning to understand but inability to put it into practice or there will be attempted practice the struggle will be too much it seems too dry and steep a path I understand this but the moment I take it out for a drive in the road uh, it's too difficult so these are the problems I've seen this happen, strange contradictions come up if the lower nature is not purified And we understand these things. Swami Vivekananda puts it very beautifully. He says, in this path, many come to an understanding, few realize. Because of the basic conditions which are required. So one may understand, actually, quite a clear understanding may be there. I have met scholars, uh, bandits like this, who really have understood Vedanta. uh, That in what is Brahman, in what sense we are Brahman. But the problems persist. I mentioned one scholar yesterday, 95 years old, whom I had asked about Sankhya and Vedanta, and he gave a wonderful answer. But uh, he has passed away, so I can mention it. That uh, In his old age, he turned to astrology. So somebody asked him, you have mastered Sankhya and yoga, I mean the, the philosophy at least, and Vedanta. Uh, but then why in this old age astrology? That's another field of traditional learning, Jyotisha it's a pretty sophisticated field of ancient learning why astrology after all of Vedanta and Sankhya and all of that and his answer was instructive he said there is no money in Vedanta <laughs> so at the age of 80 he decided that he has not earned enough money <laughs> and see this a the difference here is this two case studies this great scholar so one of the things he always considers uh, as a part of his resume you know his uh, great achievement this will make sense only to people who have come from india i mean those who know the indian scene and that uh, one of the the superstar in the bollywood movie um, um bachan yes abhishek when he, when he got married and um, the film actress was like a superstar of bollywood movies um, Ab- Aishwarya, yeah, so it seems there was some the astrological charts have to match and there was some problem and so this is one of the greatest scholars he was actually called for consultation by the uh, this uh, the top Bollywood family Uh, so he was flown from Calcutta to uh, Bollywood to Bombay by plane and he has to give his give his what is called his opinion on that now that he considers as a high point of his career this great Vedantin and uh, all right fine it is a childlike pride in it. Well, case one. Case two. Compare this. I will not name her. She is living now. She's a nun, an American lady. She went to Banaras, spent a lot of time in our hospital there, and served people there. And daily she would go, she's a white American lady, daily she would go to the temple of Vishwanath. And the priests there, they saw her and they realized that she is serious and so they used to let her in separately uh, she would go in there and she would worship the lord vishwanath in, in the traditional way and all of that every day early in the morning one day she said usually there's a long queue one day she said there's nobody there was heavy security all around and so anyway she was waved through because the priest said let her through she went in and did her usual, usual puja japa meditation she noticed only two or three others were there um, probably somebody very special, a young man and obviously somebody, a young lady, He's probably his wife and one or two elderly people, probably a very privileged family. So they were there and they performed the worship also and then they were let out and she also walked out and then the whole crowd was let in. They were all standing in a long queue that early morning. So she asked, who are they? They said, oh, don't you know? That is uh, Abhishek Bachchan and Aishwarya Rai. (laughs) They had come to the temple to offer... She sees it all right. I told her, Mataji, you don't know in India this would be a great news. You know, people would be so gratified to know that (laughs) they were in close proximity with. Now you see these two case studies. One is a person fully learned in Sanskrit and in um, all the scriptures and everything, but what is lacking? The fourfold qualification is not high enough. Vairagya, dispassion, is not high enough. So that seems glamorous to him. And here is this other person who has no interest in these things. So she lives in Hollywood, she met the top people in Bollywood, but it makes no impression on her. She is interested in Vishwanath, she is interested in the the puja. This is the difference between um, having the fourfold qualification and not having it. It has nothing really to do with learning or understanding Vedanta. That's a different thing altogether. Do you get the point? Now what happens is contradictions come up like that. So in Uttarakhand there is a saying, Rota wa jnani kisko pasand hai. Jnani, person of knowledge who says, I am Brahman, but has many com- complaints. I often say, if you are enlightened, if you claim enlightenment, you have given up the right to complaint. In the path of jnana, you have no more right to complain. If you are really Brahman and if you are convinced about that, if you have clarity, if you claim that, how can you complain? What have you got to complain? What complaints does Brahman have? One, on the path of bhakti, you have given up your right to be unhappy. It is a sin. In Vaishnavas, they consider the very interesting practices. For example, it is a sin to be unhappy in the presence of God. My little miseries, my little problems, my... No. You cannot, you cannot bring this to the presence of God. You may offer it to the Lord and Lord you take care of it, but after that, if I am a bhakta, if I have devotion to God, I should be able to let go of it, let, let the Lord handle it. I should delight in the presence of God. Unhappiness in the presence of the Lord is an offence against the Lord. There are many interesting practices which we don't talk about in in, um, Advaita Vedanta, but if you follow any of the the dualistic schools, they make interesting sense. For example, in the deity, in the presence of the deity, for example, a temple and the deity is there, you cannot bow down to anybody else. That's why we don't take pranams in front of Sri Ramakrishna. You cannot sit with your legs extended towards the deity. Um, You cannot eat in front of the data, of course it's prasad you may take but usually people step outside to take that so there are many many interesting little practices, these seem, may seem little rules, but they are all meant to enhance our awareness of the divine presence that it is there the most important person in your life, whom you consider to be really great, how will you behave in the presence of that person now consider someone a thousand times greater than that how will we behave in the presence of the divinity. So bhakti is a remedy for all these problems, that, uh, which the lower nature not purified. I'm going for jnana. What happens is, for example, I have seen a monk who was a really great Vedanta teacher also, that he would lose his temper quite often. And what was his explanation? The temper, losing the temper. Anger is an object in the, in the mind. But all perfectly all right, Vivek and all that. It has nothing to do with me I, I'm sort of imitating what he would say now, technically, he's correct, but it is not a pleasing sight to see. Once he took an apple from the pantry, and the person in charge of the pantry in the, in the in the monastery, the place where the food is kept, so he sort of. Unwisely said Swami who, who took the apple without asking and the Swami was furious he said what are you accusing me of being a thief I am a great master of Vedanta and you are accusing me of being a thief and he went on and on and on about it. now rota va gyani kisko pasand hai the, the who rota means crying complaining grumbling unhappy why is this problem there this problem will not be there if the lower Nature is purified If the fourfold qualifications are there But Then what is the advantage of bhakti there? Do we not require qualifications? Is it so easy? We can be anything and still be a devotee? No But the qualifications come pretty easily The sadhana required for this qualification Comes pretty easily Because love is there um, Sri Krishna was asked this by Arjuna Which is easier the path of knowledge or the path of devotion. And Sri Krishna was very clear. The path of the unmanifest is difficult, fraught with, with, uh, uh, with, with suffering, with strain for the embodied. Now, one must understand this embodied, everybody is embodied. Even the Jnani, uh, all the great uh, uh, devotees, Jnanis, all are embodied. But embodied means if we are far too mixed up, if our primary identity is this body-mind, which unfortunately it is for most of us. In that case, it's very difficult to live your life in the understanding of jnana, according to the understanding of jnana. Understanding of jnana can come. Understanding of the teachings of Vedanta can come pretty easily. But to live your life according to that is a struggle. So, in our order, we always recommend jnana-mishra-bhakti. Jnana is there, knowledge is there supported by, combined with, synthesized with, devotion, with love. Of course, Swami Vivekananda recommended all four. Knowledge, devotion, service and meditation. All four should go hand in hand. That's the best and the safest path. How is bhakti easier? Bhakti does not say, start with the eternal, non-eternal discernment and give up the non-eternal, catch on to the eternal. No. Bhakti just says, To all the things in your life, do one more thing. Just add God to your life. It may be the last thing. I joke sometimes. uh, In the list of 100 things in your life, last may be dog, and 101 may be God. G-O-D. But if you add God, in whatever... Add. How will you add? This is the trick. This is the technique. Add as my Lord. Mamata means add with this sense of mindness, My Lord, my Krishna, my Rama, add in that way. That is very important. Not add as another object in your life. This tendency which we have to grasp onto things as me and mine, direct that towards God, my Lord. What happens when you do that? Slowly the Lord has such extraordinary power it will begin to spread over your life. That bhikshu Pada prasarana bhikshu means the wandering holy beggar. In India they go around and ask for food and all you give. So one person comes for shelter in your house and says, a wandering beggar, holy man, I don't need anything, give me one corner, it's enough. All right, go there. The bhikshu Pada prasaran in Sanskrit means the beggar stretching his legs out. So it's like the camel's nose but in a good way he says that now I need a little more room to stretch my legs out Okay, what does he say, I am here in this corner but I have the little image of Gopala and Gopala has to be installed so a separate corner is necessary pure place, you say alright, put Gopala there, fine next day in the morning you find in the garden he's picking flowers all your best flowers he is picking, yes, best ones should be offered to Gopala you say what can I do, <laughs> after all it is Gopala then you go to cook your food, wait, wait, wait Prasada, the, the bhoga has to be offered to Gopala, food offerings to Gopala and that not just, that has to be cooked first and separate corner has to be there, the Lord's corner has to be there in your kitchen in this way slowly the little Gopala takes over <laughs> different parts of your life and that is a blessing, that's a great, great blessing this is called Bhikshupada Prasarana Nyaya in a very gentle way, in a very sweet way it is not that spiritual sadhana does not need to be done in bhakti. But the sadhana is no no longer seen as a tough spiritual practice. When you love somebody, when parents love their children, so you cook, you bathe the child, cook for the child, send the child off to school and you bear a lot of difficulties in raising the child. Are you saying that I am practicing compassion? No! Because it comes out of love, it's very natural. So when Spiritual practice is based on love. It is natural. The devotee never thinks, "I have to practice love to God." No, it's not a practice. That's, that's a very a word that a devotee will feel uneasy with. I love my Lord. There is one of the sutras in naradiya Bhakti Sutra, very interesting, expresses the glory of bhakti. What is the glory of bhakti? One sadhu in Uttarakhand is saying this. Are bhakti ki wo mahima um, bin sadhan ke siddhi bin gyan ke amritatva uh, bin bhog ke tripti What does it mean There is a sutra in the Naradiya Bhakti Sutra Siddho bhavati amrito bhavati tripto bhavati One becomes perfected by bhakti one attains immortality by bhakti and one becomes completely satisfied fulfilled by bhakti Now note, in spiritual life, perfection, siddhi, perfection, that is connected to another word, sadhana. You do a spiritual practice and then get perfected. How does one get perfected in music or in a sport? You practice and practice and practice, then perfection. Similarly, in meditation, in the Vedantic vichara, in yogic meditation, whichever it is, whatever it is, it takes long practice. That practice is called sadhana. Sadhan means spiritual practice. Sadhan leads to Siddhi. That's the general understanding. And here, what is the Bhakti Sutra saying? Without Sadhan, Siddhi. Without practice perfection. How? Just through love of God. That itself actually includes the practice, but you don't feel it. Bin bin Sadhan ke Siddhi. Without, (laughs) what an attractive proposition. Without any practice, so each of these spiritual paths is doing a good job of selling them. Gyani will say, instantaneous, effortless. <laughs> Bhakti says, without any practice you will get become perfect. Come, come here. In Harvard there was this session where all the professors come and sell their courses. Sell means they have to convince the students because if, for a long time if no student joins up then you are in trouble, your job may be in trouble. <laughs> So I have to show how good my course is. Um, then, amritattva, immortality. We realize, Upanishad say again and again, by jnana one attains immortality. Uh, by knowledge, by enlightenment, one attains immortality. We, we just chanted every before every session, mrittiurma uh, amritam gamaya, lead me unto immortality. How? from darkness to light from ignorance to knowledge from the unreal to the real so the knowledge takes me to immortality how does knowledge take you to immortality because when we think that we are this body and mind we are bound to this body and mind and the death of this body is my death we, we do not question it I will die one day but what you mean is the body will die but if it is at all true that you are not the body then the death of the body is not your death that's what Spirituality, religion claims. But for that, one must be clear what is it about me that does not die? And one must actually experience it. So, jnana leads to immortality. But what is the Sutra here saying? Amrito Bhavati becomes immortal just by love of God. It does not even mention jnana there. That's why the Sadhu said, Bhin Gyan ki Amritatto. Again, remember, one must understand it properly. It's not that the bhakti, has, the devotee has no knowledge. Knowledge comes, God gives that knowledge to the devotee. Whatever is necessary for the devotee, that enlightenment is given by God. Sri Ramakrishna is to say, The Divine Mother has shown me whatever is there in, in Vedanta and all. Shown me means given the direct realization of that. And the last one, Satisfaction, Fulfillment the understanding is bhoga leads to tripti bhoga means experience enjoyment do you remember in Sankhya we read the uh, prakriti gives bhoga and apavarga that means uh, it gives um, experience so by experiencing I have many desires I want to see a vacation, I want to see those sights, I want to eat this food, I want to visit those places, I want to meet these people, I want to have such experiences. And what will you gain by these experiences? I will be fulfilled, I will be satisfied, smiley face. Every advertisement shows that. Vacation, Bahamas trip. Not now. The storm is coming. But fulfilment. Fulfilment comes by satisfying our desires. Bhoga. That's at least the claim, that's the advertisement. It doesn't come actually, but more more new desires take their place. But here, what does the Bhakti Sutra say? Tripto bhavati. By devotion alone, by love of God alone, one becomes completely fulfilled. Bin Bhog ke tripti. Without trying to experience worldly pleasures, one becomes fulfilled, completely fulfilled. And those who are chasing worldly pleasures, they go from thirst to thirst. So this is the glory of bhakti. But remember, it does not mean that you don't have to practice uh, spiritual disciplines. It does not mean that Jnana has no role to play. It does not mean that, um, you know, one can. I'm, I just believe in God and everything is done for me. No, no, not at all. It is also a path. All right. Now, in this path, there are some big supports. Couple of few things. Let me say. One is the um, one is the name of God. The other one is the form of God. In Hinduism, especially, we we have we worship God in a variety of forms. Uh, Narayana, so many different beautiful ima- images. Vishnu, Krishna, Rama, the avatars of God, Devi. Today is Ganesh Ch- Chaturthi, so Ganesha. Is, I thought Ganesha would be the most uh, peculiar uh, thing for Westerners, but I found Ganesha is very popular in United when I came to California, everywhere Ganesha uh, icons and people are very, they identify Ganesha immediately with Hinduism. So I asked an American here, uh, why is Ganesha popular? I thought Ganesha would, you would find it strange. Elephant God, then he said, oh, who doesn't love an elephant? Elephants are cute. (laughs) So in that sense. So different forms of God. And these forms are meant to attract, to attract and fix our attention. Are these imaginary? No. Mystics throughout the ages have experienced God in these forms. See, what is the connection between this form and the formless? So, Ramakrishna says, and in, uh, in, in, he gives an example, he had gone to see how a photograph is taken. In those days there would be plates which would be exposed and there would be this uh, coating of silver nitrate on them and then an the image would be formed. So he was very much taken by that idea and he gave an example whatever he would see interesting in the world, he was very curious. But everything he would connect back to God-realization. <laughs> um, once he went to the zoo, and the first thing he saw was the lion that reminded him of Durga, whose mount is the lion, and he, had this, he immediately went into Samadhi, and that was the last thing he could see in the zoo. People were saying, I wish you had seen more, then we would have had many more examples. But, so once he saw this, how the photograph is taken, and he liked the idea. He said... Just as in the, glass, uh, uh, in the glass plate, the mixture is applied and then the light passes through it and it leaves an image. Uh, that's how the photograph was taken in those days. Similarly, if the mind is smeared with, with a mixture of, in Bengali he said masala, with a mixture of love, then what happens is when you have enlightenment, it will be with, with the form of God, the form in which you love God. So the devotee will have the experience of enlightenment with the vision of God, with a vision of a particular form, the way he saw Kali, the way Mirabai saw Krishna. So if he says, again he says, just the purified mind, just light will pass through it. That is, uh, I think it stands for the advaitic enlightenment, the formless realization. So light streams to a clear glass. But the glass mirrored with uh, the silver nitrate and all, the, a picture is taken. Similarly, um, with the, with the bhakti in the mind, when we devote ourselves, the result will ultimately be vision of God. In a particular, in the whichever culture you are, you are brought up in, whatever your practice has been. There is this beautiful story I like of Ramanujacharya, who was the great teacher of Vishishtadvaita Vedanta. So in Sri Rangam, where the beautiful image of Ranganatha Swami is there. It's an image of Vishnu, but the reclining Vishnu. Again, remember, couch potato, he is always. <laughs> so Vishnu in the cosmic dream uh, on, on the Sheshanaga. So it's a big image. And on festive days, the tradition is, of course, you cannot take the big image out. There are festive images called Utsavamurti. So on festival days, those small images are taken out in procession accompanied by chanting and music and worship and thousands and thousands of people congregate. So this story is about one such festival more than about a thousand years ago, just imagine, in Sri Rangam during Ramanuja's lifetime, a thousand years ago. And this big festivity was going on in the temple, thousands of people, the processions going on and the music being played and the chanting and all of that and devotional fervor. And the great saint, Ramanuj was already very well known by that time. Because uh, he lived to 120. He was already very well known as a great master by that time. He was going with his disciples in, in near the temple, in the temple actually. Now what happened was, in that huge crowd, they noticed something anomalous. One young man, very powerfully built, he was holding an umbrella over uh, the head of a young girl and looking at her continuously not at the image of the Lord which was going and everybody they were looking at the procession and those who noticed this behaviour they were commenting, criticising what kind of behaviour is this in a temple and uh, uh, isn't he ashamed of his behaviour Ramanuja noticed that from a distance he sent somebody, call him call that young man And the devotees were also taken aback why is Ramanuja paying attention to this man so they went and said to him, do you know our master Ramanuja, who's very well known at that time? He said, yes, please come, he is calling you. So he immediately puts the umbrella down, he walks over to Ramanuja and bows down. And Ramanuja Acharya asks him, who are you? And what are you looking at? And why are you holding the umbrella over, the, over that lady's, uh, that girl's head? Who, who is she? So he replied, I am Das. I'm a wrestler. And her name is Hemamba and she has the most beautiful pair of eyes in the universe. That's why I'm looking at her um, and I'm holding the umbrella over uh, her head. The others all were scandalized. What, what, way, what sort of way is this to talk to our master? But Ramanuja was not taken aback. He said, very good. Do you want to see an even more beautiful pair of eyes? more beautiful, the most beautiful pair of eyes in the universe. Uh, He said, yes, of course. Then come today in the evening to the temple of of Vishnu and come into the inner sanctum there. Will they let me in? You say that I have called you. It just reminds me of the first chapter of the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna. Sri Ramakrishna, after talking to M, M is very fascinated with Ramakrishna, and Sri Ramakrishna says, uh, come there, they'll be, come to somebody's house. I'm going to Calcutta, come and meet me there. I'll go there. There'll be more singing and talking about God there. M says, will they let me in? And Sri Ramakrishna says, tell them I called you. I invited you. So that's a very important thing. You must get the Lord's invitation. (laughs) So Ramana says, tell them I invited you. In the evening, the prayer is going on and this Dhanurdas has entered. Ramanuja calls him by his side, come. It's dark. The Garbhagriya, the inner sanctum is dark and the image is very big. And the priest waves the lighted lamp in the evening with the chanting and the music. And different portions of the body of the image are lit up. Now there is a very beautiful verse which says that if you behold the face of Hari, Vishnu, in the light of the evening Arati lamp, if you behold the face of the Lord with devotion, the sins of a thousand lifetimes are wiped out. So it's just to encourage devotion. It's a very beautiful hymn. If you, I've forgotten the original Sanskrit. Now, as uh, he waves the lamp light, and the light falls on the face of Vishnu, which is a big image, Ramanuja catches hold of the hand of Das and says, "Look." The most beautiful pair of eyes in the universe. And Dasa looks at the face of Vishnu and God looks back at him. It, it it becomes alive and he can see into the face of God. And every hair on his body stands at the end and he goes into samadhi. Ramanuja who is touching him goes into samadhi himself. And people all around are stunned. So that's how Dasa was transformed into a great devotee. He married that girl later, uh, Himamba, and both of them were well-known as very great devotees. In the, there are many, many beautiful stories about them. But see, the form of God, the form of God is a powerful, powerful support for bhakti. Emotion needs, to have, needs an anchor. So at the beginning, it may be a picture, it may be an image, it may be um, whatever it is, but some form where you focus your love your devotion, your attention to say the witness of all uh, thoughts and the pure consciousness which can never be an object unfortunately very difficult to love that (laughs) whatever, are you thinking about it? yes, then it is not it (laughs) are you meditating on it? on Brahman? yes, then that is not Brahman (laughs) Brahman is the one which is meditating all that is good and it can be understood but very difficult to focus your mind on that it's uh, extremely difficult we need and the mind always looks for object, tenth person outside, the beauty of the name and form of God is it provides a divine object, there are objects provided by nature, throughout nature, Uh, all these objects are there but the problem is these objects entangle us in samsara worldly names and forms Sri Ramakrishna called it Vidya Maya, Avidya Maya. All of it is Maya. If it is anything which is an object, so, there, so it does not deviate one inch from Vedanta. Anything which is an object is a name and form. Otherwise, it cannot be objectified. But name and form is always part of Maya. But then in Maya, there is a division. Vidya Maya, Avidya Maya. Avidya is ignorance, the Maya of ignorance, which entang- entangles us further and further in samsara. What is ha- the harm in that? Harm is it leads to unhappiness dissatisfaction Vidya Maya is that which frees us from samsara that's also an object that's also a name and form the divine names and forms for example do you notice the connection between this ancient philosophy of Sankhya and all the, all these things the Vedantic idea of Maya from Sankhya, the Prakriti of Sankhya to the Vedantic idea of Maya from the Vedantic idea of Maya to in Bhakti we are talking about Vidya Maya and avidyamaya Maya See the continuity. What does the Prakriti of Sankhya do? It gives the sentient being experience and experience in samsara, bhoga and apavarga, freedom. Do you remember? We talked about it. Prakriti and Purusha where there was no talk about God. There no talk about bhakti, God, nothing. Just Sankhya. But the same idea is when Sri Ramakrishna is talking about Maya has two aspects, Vidya Maya and Avidya Maya. Avidya Maya is that which traps us in samsara. Vidya Maya is that which frees us from samsara. Devotion, dispassion, um, knowledge, these are all aspects of Vidya Maya. These names and forms of God, they are also Maya, but they are aspects of Vidya Maya. If you concentrate on them, they will free you from samsara. They will free us from samsara. Name of God, very powerful. The story is that when God, when God created the universe, there was a division of you know, positions, partition. God said, now from now on, my form is my own. You cannot see me in this world, but I'm giving you my name. So the name of God is with us. So a very beautiful story, the name of God is with us. The way they express these stories, one Swami uh, in Rishikesh, she was telling us a story about the whole of creation this is the hide and seek with God when creation starts that means the universe is projected through maya we are all projected into the universe all the jivas, sentient beings we are given bodies uh, and we have life after life in these worlds world after world and God hides and we search lifetime after lifetime searching for God who is hiding? And when the creation ends, Srishti, Siti Pralaya, at the end of creation, when the universe is finally dissolved, all planets, stars and our bodies and all go back and we are absorbed back into Prakriti, into, into Maya. Those who have become enlightened, they, re- they realise that they are Brahman and they are free. But those who are not yet enlightened, don't think we'll be enlightened when the universe comes to an end. We'll still remain in suspended animation. <laughs> Sri Ramakrishna puts it this way, at the end of the harvest the granny goes out into the field and she collects the seeds and she puts them in different little um, rags you know and ties them in little bundles next sowing season she will take them out and put them back into the field and it'll all come up again so we will remain absorbed in maya no, there'll be no it will be like deep sleep we have no uh, no sense of our separate existence but all will spring back again with all, all our peculiarities and eccentricities we will be back again into the world next creation so when we are absorbed back into maya, God alone is there with maya but we are not there and God is searching for us, where did those fellows where are they hiding and then he finds us and projects us back into this universe again, so cosmic game of hide and seek <laughs> this Swami told us so name and form Swami Tapasyanandaji Avriyat Memory, who was the vice president of our order, he he writes in one place: When you have been given the mantra, you have already been given God in a seed form. The mantra, the name of God, is connected to God in a seed form. So you already have a direct connection to God. When you t- that, that's one of the importance of mantra diksha. Yeah. We often do not know what it is. So the Sri Ramakrishna's story of the washerman and the diamond it applies to us, it applies to bhakti also, not, not just to jnana. What is that diamond? It's that mantra which is given to us by, by God and we don't, we think it's a simple mantra. I need some more special techniques of meditation. Let me see YouTube, techniques of meditation search for. <laughs> you have been given the best, the direct connection with the divine. We are not satisfied. Some more thing. Some more Peculiar techniques will be added and, oh, this is sophisticated, nice, improved. Simple thing. Sri Ramakrishna, somebody asked for advice for some spiritual problem. He said, clap your hands and take the name of of the Lord. And the pappaki, the birds of sin who sit on the tree, if you clap your hands hard enough, the birds will fly away. So these birds of sin who sit in the mind, the tree of the mind, they'll fly away, You take the name of the Lord vigorously and clap your hands. This person was not at all satisfied. It's too simple. Thought it would mean some you know, tantric technique, pranayama, breathing technique, some sophisticated philosophy, all these things will be there, whole package, then I'm satisfied. Won't do anything, of course, but <laughs> satisfied. <laughs> this seems too simple. So name and form of God. Now, let me give you some practical uh, point here what is to be done in life one of my favorite sutras in the naradiya bhakti sutra towards the end 79th sutra i'll mention this and dropping it bring it to a close 79th sutra narada bhakti sutras the 79th sutra is sarvada sarva bhave bhagavaneva bhajaniya what does it mean at all times in all ways. Without any care at all. Love and worship the Lord. Love and worship the Lord alone. I will repeat. Sarvada. At all times. Bhavena In all ways. Nischintitei Without any care of the world. Bhagavan eva. Bhagavan the Lord. Eva. Alone. Bhajaniya. Is worthy of being worshipped. Worthy of being worshipped. Or is to be worshipped. What does that mean? It says, without chinta. <laughs> chinta means anxiety, thought, thought of the world. Chinta usually is thought of the world. There is an old Sanskrit saying, Chinta Chita samakhyata, Chinta chitato adhika, chita, chita nirjivam dahati, Chinta jivitam hidahiyati anxiety thought of the world care of the world cares and I've got so many problems woes in the world it is called chitta means the funeral pyre where after death you know Hindus the the body is cremated the fire which is lit so that's called chitta so it's a play on words chitta anxiety chitta funeral fire so anxieties are like the funeral fire Anxieties are worse than the funeral fire. Why? The funeral fire burns only a dead body. Anxiety burns a living body. <laughs> yeah. Worship the God without any anxiety. Surrender all your worries to the Lord. Waves in the ocean will never cease. I will take care of the samsara, certain problems will be solved. Then I will call on God. Then I will call on God. Never happen. And all the while time is going away. Kala kreedati ayu. Shankaracharya sings, Time is playing, life is slipping away, slipping away between. You know, like they say, sands of time, those hourglasses were there, the sand would trickle. It's going away very fast, day after day. Yeah. Dinambapi rajani, sayam prata, day and night, evening and morning. Sayam prata, shishira vasanto punarayata, spring and fall have again come and gone time is playing, dancing and life is passing by then, even then one does not get the, give up the hope of attaining satisfaction in this world one more thing, I'll be happy let my child complete the education then it's fine no, let him get a job then it's fine no, let him get married the child will get married then it's fine. No, grandchildren are there. Now I have to repeat the whole cycle with grandchildren. (laughs) There is no end to it. In the middle of that, right now, start. That's the beauty of bhakti. Jnana imposes very severe conditions, entry conditions. But bhakti says, start right now. Devotion. How? Sarvada, at all times. See, at all times, again and again we are told that in devotion, all the time you have to think of God. But forget all the time. Sometime the practice is this. Tie the mind down Desha kala vastu. Desha means in this space, this corner where I have my shrine, this meditation seat where I sit down for meditation in this space, Desha I will not think of anything except my Lord. So space is, you limit the space to the Lord. I am sitting down in my meditation room. I shall not think of anything outside this room. You are limiting your mind to certain space. Limit your mind to a certain time. From now on till the next half an hour, I shall only repeat the mantra of Krishna, of my, my chosen deity, whatever mantra Guru has given. You are limiting your mind by time, locking it down. Are you following me? Lock it down in space, lock it down in time at all times i will think of god in everywhere i'll think of god very ambitious start here and then vastu object lock it down in object object means the object is is the deity my krishna my rama my gopal i'm thinking about that my rama krishna i'm thinking about about my lord i'm imagining in the lotus of my heart the luminous loving form glowing form of my lord and anything else no so the mind is told, this object, for this period of time, in this space. Desha kala vastu. Use this to lock it down. Yes? Um, and how do you an object when
1: you do formless God? How, how do you? Yes, how do you choose an object to focus on if you believe in a formless God?
0: In the formless God, there will be qualities. Right? The all-loving Lord. I assume you are talking about bhakti because bhakti can be done with form but it can be done without form also. You are not talking about jnana where I am focusing on my real nature as Brahman. That's a different thing altogether. But here you are using a divine object. That's why you see uh, form is useful. You may not think of God as form but you can use an icon of God. Eastern Orthodox Church Christianity uses it. And of course, Hinduism, we have a wide range of symbols and forms. It's a very big, big support. It's a great support. So, God has qualities, so think of that quality. The Lord is present in my heart with that all-forgiving, all-loving, the just, uh, the most awesome present here. In this way you start. When you lock it down, what will happen is, first thing you will realise, a big lesson, how difficult it is. Forget all times thinking about God. 15 minutes thinking about God.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. At one time, Narendranath was singing singing in front of Sri Ramakrishna. I call on thee day and night, why do I not always see thee? I see you once once or twice, once in a while only. And Sri Ramakrishna says, tell the truth, I call on you once a day and once in the night, not day and night. (laughs) When we try to do that, we will find it's difficult. Why is it difficult? Here comes the whole thing about spiritual practice. Do you remember impure mind, purity is required, Uh, uh, scattered mind, concentration is required, ignorant mind, knowledge is required. Now, how do I know? I might say my mind has no impurity. I don't feel anything impure. I actually had one, one young novice who was sitting unhappily. And I said, why are you unhappy, depressed? Uh, usually it is because of stored of impurities in our mind. You, you, because I'm a monk now, I'm not allowed to think of those things. But they don't go away. Freud was a very wise man in that way. They will remain suppressed. The result will be they will make you feel unhappy. They will express in some kind of unhappiness, misery. Although you are not actually thinking about any worldly thing. But he said to me, no, my mind, I don't find anything impure in my mind. I'm still unhappy. We are not aware. You know what will happen? The best way to see it is lock the mind down. This time I will only repeat Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya or Om Shivaya," And I will visualize the form of Shiva or Krishna in my heart. For this time, in this place, for, for um, this image of the deity. When we try to de- do that, within a few seconds you will see many other thoughts come. Why? It is my mind. I have told my mind to think about this only for a limited, a small task. Still I can't do it. Why not? I told you the story about your friend, your apartment. When uh, you send somebody and they come and throw your friend out into the street. Uh, yes.
1: Uh, what if uh, with that same uh, goal a person says that I want to repeat the name of Lord for one hour or 15 minutes as you said the person may not be able to do it with eyes shut but let's say the person is absolutely able to do it when he, she or he sings out the Lord's name mm. then would you consider that to be the same?
0: certainly, certainly so you start where you are comfortable which what works with you but my point here was that there are impurities in our mind in all our cases that's why we cannot focus if you cannot focus in one way the the thing is the subtlest things are difficult to do people say that uh, we have to be spiritual in your mind, external things are not important spirituality is in the mind, correct but you have to start with external things Uh, that is something you learn because at the subtlest level of the mind it is very difficult to hold on to something when the external conditions are all right, a pure place a pure, you are sitting down Instead of moving around, then you uh, uh, control your breathing, focus your mind on God. When you take care from externally, you move inwards, you will see devotion works. Uh, If japa is not, uh, meditation is not working, do japa. Japa is not working, then uh, chant, sing the name of the Lord. That's why external worship is useful. From here, you move to sarvada at all times. There is a saying that at all times, think about it. Things of the past, people who have gone away from our lives, uh, what we have lost, the places, the objects, maybe wealth, maybe health, whatever it is, consider it this way. The Lord has freed me from all those things. They are gone. I have no need for me to think about it. The future has not yet come. No need for me to imagine, fantasise or be scared about it. We are either anxious or ex- full of expectation about the future. Forget it. You are expecting something which is not real yet. You are anxious about something which is not real yet. Don't think about it. Forget the future, forget the past and fill your presence, present with the Lord. I am translating something I have heard from uh, Asadu in Hindi actually. Jo ko Ishwar aapko mukt The Lord has, has liberated you from what was in the past. Very good. What has not yet come, don't worry about it. That's a dream, that's an uh, that's imagination, fantasy. Apne vartaman ko Fill up the presence, present uh, fill up this present with the, with the Lord. That is sarvada. Sarvab, yes. Microphone is there? Yes.
2: Um, Could you please go back to the uh, friend who you wanted to invite into the mind? And there was someone else there, and they just threw this friend of yours out. Mm, mm. Uh, Is there a um, practice, is there an advice on how to deal with this situation?
0: Yes, this is the way. Actually, the story was to show that we are often not aware of the condition of our mind, the presence of impurities in the mind, as that young novice said, no, my mind is pure. No, no, no. That's an unwise thing to say. You try it yourself, When you try it, it will be like, that. that's the example given by Swami Nishriya You have an apartment and you send your friend, it's my apartment, my friend can stay there. Here is a note to the caretaker, but your friend gets tossed out onto the street. Similarly, it's my mind, I'm putting the mantra in there, and the mantra gets tossed out. Why? Because the mind has been taken over. By all the rubbish we have invited into the mind. So then how do you deal with it? All these practices are for that if it's not working, the mantra is not working alright, don't, don't struggle at that level come out to a more external level do it physically offer a flower, chant uh, that's why this physical worship, puja you have it in Hinduism, but you have it in something like Tibetan Buddhism where there's no god at all and yet there is so much, it's full of ritualism from morning till night, going on ritual, and big horns are being blown and chanting is going on, why? these are all supports if you try to deal with it at that level it's that little mantra and these tough guys waiting to throw the (laughs) but now you need some tough guys on your side which is bring the energy, the physical energy, the vital energy into play so do something with your hand arrange a dish of flowers uh, a sandal paste a food offering have mantras which you can actually speak out have a a shrine a deity which is cleaned and kept properly What are you doing? You are engaging your body and your prana and all of that. When you study, when we taught kids how to study, boring, difficult. Why boring and difficult? You know why it's boring and difficult? Psychology has to be understood. We have a certain bandwidth of attention. And, when you, the more you can focus of that bandwidth into your object of concentration more concentrated you will feel but if you take only a little bit of that I am reading the book so it takes only a little bit of my cognitive capacity the rest is free because it is free and I am not really interested in this book my school assignment, homework or whatever it is my mind is free now it is free to roam around it will think of many other things That's why when the mind thinks of many other things All of which are more attractive than my homework Then I feel this homework is so difficult, boring, unpleasant What is the way to engage? We would teach the kids Active reading Don't just look at the page and flip the page You would often complain We studied half an hour But what I was reading I don't even know what I was reading Why? Page is open, mind is elsewhere Now how do you get the mind there? active reading. So you would say, underline, make annotations, write down notes, ask questions, stop for a while and review. Ask the mind, what have you absorbed? So when you physically engage the hands and the eyes and the writing, all of that, the modern technology sometimes can be a problem. How education has changed, now I'm realising, actually many years earlier, I went to learn something, um, Nyaya philosophy in India and that was after a long gap Um, I mean I had seen I was in college and then I joined all this digital revolution came and I saw how education has changed because of technology so the scholar would painstakingly write a Sanskrit verse in a chalk on the board and the younger students there who are philosophy students even they were neuroscience students and all they would whip out their mobile phones and take a picture (laughs) to the fury of the pundit who would say If they would at least bother to write it down with their own hands, it at least goes through the mind and the nervous system in the hand. And it's there in the picture. Mobile may be be enlightened, but (laughs) you will never see it again. So active reading. What the puja does, what the chanting does, it engages other faculties. And so attention is more and more cognitive uh, bandwidth. Your psychic energy is focused into the object. Then it becomes easier instead of struggling at a very subtle level um, you uh, involve the more uh, powerful, more physical aspects of our nature Yeah Yes He's coming Uh, Swamiji,
1: sometimes when one is deep in meditation Mm. and meditating on your Ishta, the figure of your Ishta uh, on your ishta, I should say, not the figure. Uh, as one goes deeper and deeper, there are times when you know you no longer see the face of your ishta, the body, the form of your ishta, and there is a kind of
0: blankness. Mm-hmm. What should one do at that stage? If you become aware of it, then revisualize the deity. Um, that it, I'm just in an absolute blankness. The blankness is often very peaceful and restful. But again, after some time, re Otherwise, what will happen is that blankness will go away after some time and something else will enter in its place. So bring your mind back to the practice again. Sarva bhavena, in all ways. So sarva at all times, sarva bhavena, in all ways. In always means uh, Mana upasita, Upanishad says the mind itself is Brahman think about it, a very Advaitic idea in Advaita Vedanta what we do is beyond the thoughts the consciousness which illumines the thoughts I am the witness of my thoughts we did that, Drishya Viveka beyond, beyond the mental sheath the, the sheath of the intellect beyond the causal sheath Manomaya, vijnanamaya Anandamaya but then the opposite is also true every thought that we have Every feeling that we have, what is it made of? What is its reality? If non duality is correct, Advaita is correct, then that thought also must be Brahman. What is the snake actually? The rope. What is each ornament made of? Golden ornament? Gold. Where will you find except in the water, except in the waves? Where will you find Brahman except in the thoughts? If you have this idea, my Lord alone is dancing in all these forms. What are the forms? These thoughts. In puja, it is a mantra is there. In meditation, nityam indriya, uh, indriya karmani. The activities of the senses are the, the dance presented before the uh, deity. The deity is sitting in your heart and shining. And the senses, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting. These are the entertainment presented to the deity. See how you connect. Sarva And outside, in the 10th in the chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, Vibhuti Yoga, where Krishna says, how, Arjuna asks, how am I to imagine you when I interact with the world? So, in the Vedas you get wonderful descriptions. The sun and the moon are his eyes, the fire is his mouth, and so on. Whatever natural phenomena you see in the world is connected back to the divine person. It's not just imagination, because if Brahman is the only reality, then all these things which are appearing are appearances of Brahman. So connect the sky to Brahman, the uh, sun, uh, the, the the light to Brahman, fire to Brahman, the, the air to Brahman, the water to Brahman, the earth to Brahman. All this is Brahman. Somebody asked a question. These monks are very humorous in 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 the Himalayas somebody asked a question, this is very bad, I am walking on the earth, how can I think the earth, I am walking on God, it is very bad, hmm. I can't think like that, he says, no, ye bhi ki seva hai. this is also the, the service of the Lord, by walking on the earth, which is God, how, then he told a story, he said, when we were little kids, we had an uncle, who was a huge man, and uh, it was very relaxing for him if we little kids, nep- nephews and nieces would run, over, run over on, around on his back. <laughs> so it was like a massage for him. He would lie down like this and we kids would jump on his, <laughs> on his back and walk. This was our service to him. <laughs> now the, your lord, the uncle, has now become this earth and the lord is very happy if uh, his children walk around <laughs> on his back. Now you see <laughs> what, a, what a cute way of putting this. Uh, yes. Yes.
1: I just um, like I heard, um, you know, the bhakti yoga, everything you said,
0: Keep and yet, oh. um,
1: I don't. Yet I'm having trouble reconciling um, when I look outside or my own experiences. Growing up, like seeing that, um, you know, very bhakti oriented people um, did not have that experience that you're sharing, right? Or that gyan did not sort of come through, right? And there were uh, actions that were happening which were like not aligned with what we are talking about. And so um, that just brings me to challenge the path of bhakti. Um, and sort of feel that bhakti alone can solve it for me. And I'm talking for myself here. And um, without gyan and without karam uh, yoga, as Swami Vivekananda was saying, uh, that it just doesn't like really I understand. come to me. Yes, and, yes. And, that, and, and you look around and you see the examples, right? I, uh,
0: yes, but two things are there. One is we must not be judgmental. Everybody is progressing. It's so difficult to change my own life. How can I talk about others being perfect? Is perfection possible? Is at least a high level of genuine devotion possible? Certainly. The lives of saints in all religions are proof of that. And I have been in a monastic tradition for a long time. Have I seen genuine bhaktas, devotees? Yes. Many of them. And just their presence will uplift your, your heart. You will feel it. That are, there's something wonderful about them. I remember in the presence of a very great Swami, I felt something strange, jealousy. Jealousy means a kind of holy envy. I wish I had that. You have something within you. I wish I had that. That's a good envy. It is possible that such people are there. So there is no doubt that bhakti works. But the second part of your question is important, by itself or not. All of these paths by themselves can lead to enlightenment, Swami Vivekananda clearly says. But, it's much better, much more effective, much safer to practice all of them together. Swami Vivekananda said, each soul is potentially divine. The goal is to manifest this divinity within each word is valuable. Manifest this divinity, not know this divinity, not understand this divinity, manifest. Manifest means it must become, first of all, real to me, one. Second, it should be somehow expressed in my thinking, speaking and behaving. That rota va problem should not be there. My life, one criteria I apply, from outside, very difficult to know if a person is really spiritual or how advanced he, is, he or she is. One criteria I apply quite successfully is, has that person solved his or her own problem? Is that person stable, fulfilled over a long period of time? Is the deep joy? Do you feel that, this person? All right. But how do you do it? Swami Vivekananda, that symbol of the Ramakrishna order, the theme of our retreat, he says, do it by love, do it by work. Love means bhakti yoga. Work does not mean any work, karma yoga. Do it by psychic control. These are the exact words he's used. That means raja yoga. Do it by philosophy. So the philosophy professors will be very happy in Harvard. (laughs) So do it by philosophy. Then he says, by one or more or all of these, by one, which means he's acknowledging any, each one can take you to that realization. He's not denying it. Or more, it means you can combine. And in spiritual life, you'll see most sadhakas, they combine. Or all of these, and be free. Books, temples, doctrines, churches are secondary details. So this spiritual freedom from all suffering and limitation through these paths, that is the goal. Now, what is Swami Vivekananda's preference? He says, harmony of the four yogas. More than once he has said, all four must be there in our lives. All four together is actually easier than one. We have all these powers. We have the affective domain, emotions. We have the cognitive domain, understanding. We have the cognitive domain, willpower. Power to do, power to understand, power to feel. And of course, all of these are combined with the power to concentrate. This is Raja Yoga, Bhakti Yoga, Karma Yoga, Jnana Yoga. All of these should be combined. There's a nice essay by Swami Premeshan on the Yoga Vigna. He was a great, in his lifetime itself, he was considered a jnani, an enlightened person. Yoga Vigna, it has been translated recently. It says something written to a monk, young monk, warning him about the Problems in each path. The problem is, if you read that, you'll say, I I I won't practice anything. (laughs) I'm safe from all the problems. The problem with bhakti yoga is, he says, it leads to emotionalism, sentimentalism. At every other thing, tears come to the eyes, and singing and dancing, very fine. What about life? See? Um, It leads to involvement in too much, maybe ritualism, Uh, festivities you will see a lot of food and songs and festivity Uh, not our ashram not Vedanta society if you compare with other Vedanta societies they all accuse us us of being very dry and (laughs) very minimalistic Uh, then uh, um, that is one aspect then you have karma yoga which is very good but its danger is um, extroverted all the time, busyness. The moment you start something, you have a school, a college, or just your family and your career, that also is a field for karma yoga. Remember, when Sri Krishna taught karma yoga to Arjuna, he did not tell Arjuna, that now you have to practice karma yoga, please go start a school and a hospital. <laughs> he said, do your duty, transform your duty right now into karma yoga. So your family, your job, your life, it can be transformed into karma yoga. Everything that we do, whatever we do, can, can be connected to God. But the problem is, it leads to an external busyness. And you feel good. I'm doing good work after all. But that's also not not spirituality. And Swami Prameshantar has very harsh words. Remember, he was writing to a monk. And we are engaged in so many social service activities. So he writes some harsh words. He says, that was the time of British rule there in India. So... Um, the first lady was the wife of the governor general. Lot Shayab and The Mame is the, uh, so in the, the old language they used to say. Now, the first lady, the, the lady so and so, the wife of the governor general of, of India. That was, that was the, she was the last one. This is way before that, huh? long before Mountbatten. So, there were so many governor generals, and then later they were called viceroys. So this lady, she's, remember, she's the head of a colonial power in India. So prestige is very important. But she wants to know what are these people eating, natives that are eating muri. She wants to eat muri. Muri, you know muri. <laughs> Puffed rice. Now all the officials are worried. What will happen to British prestige if the first lady eats muri? The natives will laugh. Now how do you solve this problem? But she's interested. She wants to know what it's like. Why are they all eating muri? So they solved the problem. What did they do? They got, at that time, what you call cookies here, they're called biscuits in India. So biscuits were imported from England. They came in tins. So then tin was emptied out of English biscuits and filled with moody and given to the... So that people will think that she's doing something proper, eating biscuits from the home country. But she's actually eating the food of the common natives. This is the story. And he said, in, right he writes, Shadhu Sabdhan, monks be, beware. In the name of serving the poor, you collect money, and it ends up as houses for the monks to stay in and uh, from, uh, you know, uh, all the facilities. you are also using it. And you say it's in for the, and you are using it for the benefit of the poor, but you' are getting the benefit of it also. Be careful so it is glamorized in the name of service of the poor but what is it really? you have to be very careful. honest to yourself there's no other way, un- unless one is honest so. there's a great story of Chanakya who's writing a letter with an oil lamp and somebody asks him for some advice, personal advice he douses that oil lamp, strikes another lamp and then gives advice what's going on? that lamp is bought with the Oil is bought with the money of the king. So that's the official work. Dows it. This is my personal thing. But honesty, you see. This integrity. I told you the story of Madhavanandaji yesterday, how he was very strict of not taking anything personally. So, karma yoga has that problem. Not just, um, I was saying monks. I told you that so many big NGOs, um, people in non-profits people are very well known for activism after some time what does the service become like the founder of the non-profit is running around from international conference to international conference and gathering awards and giving talks what about actually working in the field with the refugees and the homeless and the poor no that's no longer interesting what has happened my selfishness has entered into it so that is the one danger of karma yoga the danger of raja yoga meditation is um, selfishness my peace of mind I have seen this among, it happens to monks my peace of mind my routine my meditation time so peaceful and calm but disturb his routine go wild <laughs> I mean as wild a monk I can get but no that's also not good. The really, I've seen the really good meditators. They don't have this problem. Meditation time. I gave one example yesterday. He was, his duty was changed. He found peace in that also. I've seen among young brahmacharis, very good meditators, and yet the roommate is sick. He gives up his meditation time and goes and nurses his uh, sick brother. That shows real spirituality. Then, Jnana Yoga. The, de- the problem is it degenerates very fast into intellectualism I have read all the books I know all the arguments but that's not spiritual so these are the demerits the problems of each path and Swami Vivekananda said practice all of them so that they may balance his words balance, equipoise, and counteract each other you are working for the world you, everybody must work there is no question I will meditate now I like to meditate no this is the time for work go and work I am working no this is the time for meditation go and meditate I am not interested in reading books no uh, Shastra is, is the basis of our pr- you must study always studying books devotion go to the temple and pray all of them it's, uh, together it develops a good spiritual life it's a good question yes uh, Mike Swami Vivekananda said yoga is the best yes and he also said, Bhakti Yoga is the best. Then he said, Karma Yoga is the best. <laughs> and he said, Jnana Yoga is the direct and mustpa. Now somebody was confused. Swamiji, whatever you say, you, are, you speak contradictory things. Whatever you are telling, you are saying that is the best. <laughs> and Swamiji laughed and said, you take whatever appeals to you. The good thing is to practice all four together. And somebody asked, how do we practice all four together? What is the model? And Swami Vivekananda said, how do you understand the harmony of yoga? So he said, live with somebody who practices it.
1: Is Krishna's, take on,
0: yeah? Krishna's take is similar
2: yeah. I note that he religion.
0: teaches bhakti and karma and meditation and jnana, first thing he teaches is jnana but he teaches all of them remember one thing however, our tendencies are different, you will find when you try to practice all four, one will appeal to you more, maybe you like meditation, what will appeal to you? it will feel alive, real uh, it, it pulls you Others will feel a little dry and difficult. Remember, at that time, you must hold on to all. It is not a fault of those paths. It's just my mental makeup. Other people have become very spiritual through those paths. So paths are perfect. It's not, it's just me. So I will, in fact, one way of developing and progressing faster is when you concentrate on certain areas of your weakness. So all four should be practiced, but it is sure if it if you find one is dominating, don't be worried. It is correct. One will dominate. One will dominate. You may basically be a bhakta, and on the basis of that, you do all others. I am reading the Gita, not as not as a jnani It is the words of my beloved Krishna. That's why I'm reading. I am working and feeding the poor because I see my Krishna in them. When I meditate, I visualize Krishna, and of course, bhakti is there, devotion throughout. This is all for yogas on the basis of bhakti.
2: Yes. Swami, I wanted your guidance on the subject of parampara. All of us were born into a certain way of life which based on history, tradition, uh, home traditions, maybe a family priest inculcated in us a combination of mantra, ritual, uh, puja, there was a certain way of life. Mm. Now we are living in a world where especially as the NRIs generally but even in India, we have become seekers and so our consciousness has expanded greatly. Uh, we become aware of the larger technologies of the inner journey that are available. How do we? how do we, uh, I don't know if the word is reconcile. how do we uh, take our parampara, but also absorb this knowledge and create a certain continuity as opposed to a discontinuity? Mm.
0: Continuity is important. And there are many, of uh, paramparas means lineages. And there are many, many lineages in, in the Indian tradition, in Hindu tradition, in Buddhist tradition, there are many lineages and many people are associated with either a family lineage or at least a cultural lineage and it's good if you have that connection you're good follow that but also be open as you said you can always enrich your own understanding your own tradition with learning from other traditions there are and if one does not have access to such a lineage and or if you have an access and yet you are not particularly interested sometimes lineages have become um, they've become um, orthodox, old, not available, not particularly inspiring, maybe just a mass of rituals, not, no particularly great teacher is available there, then one may take up another lineage, but be careful that it is a lineage. See, this is a danger in modern times, that um, people who are not set in some kind of tradition, and they say, w- where did you get all this? All is my invention. That is not a good sign. I give an example, in Manhattan, you want to buy a computer and you go, the Apple shop there is called Big Apple, naturally, Manhattan. <laughs> so, you go to buy and outside the shop, this rather shifty looking guy is standing there, he says, hey, come, 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 what happened? I will give you a computer, I have made it, better than those fellows. Oh really, where did you make it? In my garage. It is better than that, and cheaper also. Now the problem is, how do you know? It may be, but it may not be. Most likely it may not be. Second, there is no backup. Apple at least has Apple Care, they call it Apple Care. But where is this garage care? No. (laughs) And what is the proof? Apple has so many satisfied customers. What is the proof that this person has some satisfied customers? We don't know. It's too much of a risk for a big investment. And the greatest of investments is spiritual life. So better to go for a lineage where you know it is existing for a long time. There are texts which you can independently verify. What this fellow is saying, is it? where is he saying it from? Give me one example of what you are saying. There are other sadhakas who for centuries have practiced these things and have experienced some of it. So then there is an established lineage. I am not entirely dependent on my guru then. There are other, other gurus before him and there will be others after him. So that's why in the Ramakrishna Vivekananda lineage we find it's like a place where all other streams, whether it's Vedanta or Bhakti or Tantra, uh, or it opens up to Christianity and Islam and uh, Buddhism and all forms of religion, and all pitched at the highest level and open also. You are not told that you have to restrict, you have come to our our lineage, you have to restrict yourself to this, you cannot read that book. No. Good and holy book, you can read it. So some lineage is necessary. There also, do not be too picky. I am looking for my guru. Very good. I met in Himalayas, especially westerners. Backpack. Come to India. Why? I am looking for my guru. Good. But 20 years later, if I catch you roaming around the Himalayas, I am still looking for my guru. There is something wrong. You know what is wrong? Somewhere very deep inside, I am looking for the enlightened master. Why? Others are not good enough for me. Who am I that I deserve? Somebody you know the story of Narendranath and Sri Ramakrishna. Have you seen God? And Sri Ramakrishna said, yes I have as I see you more clearly. So one devotee went to a senior Swami and said, sir, have you seen God? His answer was I am not Sri Ramakrishna and you are not Vivekananda. (laughs) It is a subtle point here. What is the point, you know? That I trust my thinking above others. It's an individualistic world. But that also shows a deep attachment to body and mind. What makes the product of this mind better than the product of a million other minds? Why must I listen to this mind alone and not to those minds? Of course, I will think, keep my own thinking. But at the same time, I must listen to others. Sri Ramakrishna says, those who have eagerness for spiritual life, they will take whatever is available and start. The one who is thirsty, the water in the puddle, he will be so desperate, he will remove the scum on the top and drink that water also. It may not be healthy. But the one who is not thirsty, sparkling water, otherwise (laughs) alpine water. So, lineage, important, but there also don't delay, start. Last question, one more. Yes. Not overcome it. That's good. Increase it. (laughs) I want that. Bad jealousy is uh, that person is a millionaire. I want to be that. That's bad. Initially, depends on a person's progress in spiritual life. Initially, no interest in spiritual life. Wants to be very successful in the world. You know what I will say? Yes, that's what you should do that person must experience, if you disturb that ambition by saying that will that is maya, that is nothing here is God and you will realize God and then you will get uh, overcome suffering what will happen is the desire is not fulfilled there is no conviction in this path and you 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 are harming that person's spiritual progress go ahead, for a young person, for a person interested, moving hard towards this world say go ahead, but the only thing you can do is add a little bit of wisdom there watch, go ahead with intelligence try it out, is it making me happy, is it making me stronger is it fulfilling its promise hmm. I'll leave with this last thing This all the time think about God Sarvada, very interesting thing is there ask yourself this question the thought of the mantra and my Ishta Devata which other thought is more valuable than that mind has many thoughts which other thought is more valuable than the thought of God? And your mind will tell you actually nothing, almost nothing. There may be some urgent task to accomplish now, you may have to think about it. Other than that, 99% of the thoughts in our mind are worthless. Worthless. So, there are robbers, this is the example given. There are robbers who do this. They will throw some interesting thing, like a, maybe a dollar or something in front. And if somebody gets attracted to that, goes to pick it up, they will use that opportunity to pickpocket. Your attention is diverted there. Similarly, uh, samsara, what it does to us is, it makes us interested in half a dozen things and then pickpocket. What is pickpocket? The thought of God, mantra is gone. Samsara takes it away and engages you in those things. People protect their grains in the granary. They will throw a little bit of sugar in front, so the mice will run around. Whole bagfuls of nutritious grain is there. They will ignore it throughout the night. They will run after those little bits of sugar. Why? They are attracted there, and they miss it. Similarly, God is there. Our, we have got the mantra. But all those other thoughts, temptation and terror, fear, anxiety, temptation, that's what pulls us into the world. Carefully. Pull your mind away from that and apply it to the mantra, apply it to the thought of God. So with this beautiful idea, I pray to Sri Ramakrishna, Mahasharada Devi, and Swami Vivekananda, may they bless all of us with devotion, with knowledge, with dispassion for worldliness. May we all grow in spiritual life. May our lives be blessed and may the lives of those around us be blessed. OM SHANTI 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 HI HARIHI OM TATSAT SHRI Rama krishna NAMASTHU It has become a fashion among cool people to say, Oh, we don't believe in all that God thing. Imagine divinity school, Harvard divinity school. I'm looking at the profile of the students. They now described at 23 years old. What do they know about God? Anyway, I am a mystic. I'm interested in spirituality, an atheist. (laughs) It's uh, that atheist business is uh, is not all that it is promoted to be. We believe in so many things. Try believing in God. You will see life will be blessed.